0: Good morning, Christ Church. Well, you know, I think I should probably introduce myself. Uh, I'm Pastor John Spade, lead pastor. I've been here 28 years, except for the last four weeks. So uh, that's probably, if you're new to Christ Church, that's why you haven't seen me. I've been away, uh, part of that time I've been in Kenya. And I thought, you know, what a, what a cool thing would it be if, if we got a chance to to see some of the stuff that went on in the, uh, when the, in the two weeks that we were away in Kenya, 55 of us here from Christ Church. And, and then, you know, I started thinking, I said, you know, it's been since, well, our first visit to Kenya was in 2007. And so, think about that. That was 12 years ago. And it's easy to forget how in the world we got there in the first place and what we discovered when we were there and why it was that God grabbed our heart and life and, 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 and caused us here at Christ Church to pour so much time and energy and effort into building a place that breaks the cycle of poverty and teaches these kids Jesus and also their ABCs and their 123s and all of that, how did we get there to begin with? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to tell you the story of how we got there and what we've done so far. So I hope that you're going to uh, enjoy seeing how God has been at work. Now listen to this, through you. (laughs) You know, you may have never been to Kenya, never set foot there, but God has been at work through you. And that you are going to be able to see today. So I'm going to encourage you. Pull out your Christchurch notes. They're there in your worship program. Find a pen or a pencil. We're going to see what God's been doing in Kenya. And then what God's plan is here in the world. And then we're going to go back to Kenya uh, toward the end of the message this morning. And hopefully we're going to do that all in about 25 minutes. So here, that's where we're going to go today. Now, let me start by saying this. In 2006... I received a telephone call from a woman named Roberta Peterson. Many of you have already met Roberta. She's been here to Christ Church before. And Rosemary and I have known Roberta ever since she and her family joined the church where I was the associate pastor in Greenville, North Carolina, all the way back in 1986, I believe it was. So in 2006, I received this call from Roberta. And she said she had just returned from a mission in Kenya. And she was so impressed that that she wanted me to meet the the leader of this particular mission. His name was Pastor Henry Ansango. And he was going to be in the United States pretty soon. So uh, right after the first of the year, so in 2007. So I invited her to bring Pastor Henry to Christ Church to tell us about this particular mission that that Roberta had been involved in and that he was one of the leaders of there in in Nairobi, Kenya. Now, I have to tell you, in full disclosure, you know, I must admit that I really had zero desire to go to Kenya. I mean, zero desire to go to Kenya. In fact, you know, God, please forgive me, but I really had zero desire to be in mission in Kenya. I I just, it just had never really grabbed my heart or, or... You know, I just didn't feel called to go. But because uh, uh, Roberta and I have a great deal of respect for her, wanted me to hear and wanted us to hear the story... I thought that was the thing to do, so we invited him. It was in February, in fact, uh, and the Sunday after he spoke to us, uh, Rosemary and I took him to took Pastor Andrew to a restaurant in Woodbridge to the Red Robin. We sat next to the window, and it started snowing. It was the first time he had ever seen snow in his entire life. I don't think he ate his hamburger; he was constantly looking out the window, watching the snowfall well during the time when he we, we was speaking, I have to admit I was so captivated by the story, captivated by the need, captivated by the opportunity that, that we could really have to do something, to partner with the Lord, to do something incredibly tangible and visual and transformative in a place far away from here. So, at the end of that service, I was so moved by the Holy Spirit that I held up a clipboard and said to the church, okay, I don't know if God's calling us to be in Kenya or not, but if you are interested in going with me to simply explore what God may have in store, I'm going to place this clipboard right here, and whoever signs up, uh, you're welcome to go. Within six months, 14 of us were on our way on a plane to Kenya. 14 people signed up. 14 people got on that plane to head out later on that year in 2007 uh, to Kenya. You know, and we spent the majority of the week in in an orphanage. There in Nairobi, and it was a noble orphanage. It was a noble ministry, but you know, by the end of the week, for some strange reason, our team didn't feel that—I don't know—that tug of the Lord, that pull, where the Lord is kind of pulling on your heart string. We just didn't feel it. And so they said, well, what about this particular mission? So we went to a mission in the slums of Nairobi. Here's one of the pictures right there. Look at the next one. Where's the next picture? Go ahead and put it up. Yeah, there, in the slums of Nairobi. Now, I will tell you that that was an amazing mission. But listen, it was even though it was in the world's largest slum, and I, it's the world's largest slum is in Nairobi, Kenya. Over a million people live in that slum. Now, although there was tremendous need there, although there was a great mission there, we, we uh, really connected with the people who were leading that particular mission, here was the problem. When we, when we were walking through the, the streets there of uh, the Kibera slum, what we noticed is there were hundreds of churches from all around the world, not just from the United States, but from from Europe and other parts of the world who had come to the slums to have ministry and mission and to help in the slums in Nairobi. There were hundreds of NGOs, non-governmental agencies, uh, organizations. They are in those slums. And... our our problem when we were discussing, is this the place that God's calling us? Is that we felt like we would simply be just another face in the crowd, just one more in an already well-served area of the world, which was the slums of Nairobi. And so by the end of the week, it was the day before we were going to be boarding the plane to come back home, our team was frankly discouraged we were discouraged because we couldn't get any kind of consensus that god was calling us to be in ministry there in nairobi where we had traveled and and we kept thinking how in the world could god had we misread the 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 movement of the spirit that had god had we misread what god was asking us to do to travel 8000 miles from here with the idea that we were going to be in ministry in Kenya, but nothing was pulling at our heartstrings. So that day, the day before we were to board the plane to come back home, Henry, Pastor Henry said, are you willing to go see one more ministry, one more mission opportunity? And this one happens to be, as he said, in my home village. There's a school there, that i really want you to see it's it's not really a school it's it's because there's no education in the village one of the ladies in the village have gathered a group of kids to help teach them something And he said, frankly, i got to tell you, it's a six-hour, one-way trip from Nairobi across some of the worst roads that any of us had ever, 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 ever traveled in our life. But that next day, we got in the vans, and we made that six-hour, one-way trip all the way to western Kenya. And when we got there... We discovered a group of kids that just captured our hearts. And I want to I tell you a little bit about what we found. I did a video while I was there at that very first place. Go ahead and put it on. Hi, I'm Pastor John, and I'm here at the founding place of Hope Educational Center in South Kenya. Back in 2007, I believe it was, uh, a group of 14 people from Christ Church made a trip from the United States to, uh, to Kenya and came out here uh, in far western Kenya to see a school that was not official, that was just getting started, and uh, that uh, we understood that the kids needed some help. When we arrived, we found this building right here and the students, they didn't have any desks. they didn't have any paper, they didn't have any pencils, Uh, there wasn't even any chalk to write on a blackboard with. The kids sat on the ground in the dust and they wrote their lessons, their math projects, any words that they were using, they wrote it in the dust on the ground. We found uh, 20 students in each one of the classrooms and then behind the school Uh, underneath the coffee and banana trees, there was another class that was being held. And it was from that moment that the people of Christ Church fell in love with the people of Saco, Kenya. And we have been in ministry with them ever since. From this place, uh, if the school became official, we leased some land, we built some buildings just made of mud and sticks. And for many years, those worked just fine. But we knew that we had to do more because we didn't own the land and we couldn't buy it. So we finally bought enough land to make the school official to meet all the regulations. We have built the first floor. We are starting now the second floor. It's under construction even as we speak. And we have temporary classrooms to move the people from the old school over to the new spot. This is just the beginning of the kinds of things the Lord is calling us, the people of Christ church, to be about. You know why? Because number one, we love God. Number two, we love others. And number three, we're always looking for the way to live out the gospel life. That is the ministry of Christ church. So that's, excuse me, so that's what we found when we arrived there for that very first time in 2007. And you know, by the time we boarded the plane, and we were, by the time we were boarding the plane, we knew that that God was calling us as a team to be in ministry and mission, to make the world a better place, to live out the gospel life right there in Sakwa, Kenya. God had just Grabbed a hold of our hearts. Now, you know, I was, I remember now being on the plane, and you have a lot of time to think when you're traveling from Kenya. You know, I mean, you're kind of a captive audience in that plane for quite a few hours. And so I remember thinking, you know, what in the world is God doing, calling us to be in ministry to a bunch of kids 8,000 miles away? You know, what is God doing? What on earth is God doing? doing here you know and it took me a while to to figure this whole thing out but i i think i have it now and first i want to share it with you why god calls us out of our comfort zone out of our even out of our our own nation to be uh spreading the gospel around the world and here's what i want you to know we're going to do this kind of quick because i want to deal with some uh, kenya some more but here's what god's doing and how you can be a part of it First thing, I want you to write this down. What God is doing is God is building a kingdom. He is building a kingdom. Go ahead and put it up right here. God is building a kingdom. You know, the kingdom of God is a major theme in the scripture. In fact, the word kingdom is used, get this, 157 times in the New Testament. Just the word kingdom used 157 times in the New Testament. And it was Jesus' favorite description of what God is doing in the world now many of the parables of Jesus you know many of the parables of Jesus they're all about the kingdom of God right the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed the kingdom of God is like a treasure buried in the ground the kingdom of God is like a farmer who plants good seeds in the ground the kingdom of God is like a, a, a merchant that's seeking beautiful pearls we could go on and on and on and on and on about how God describes the kingdom of God. And this advancement of God's kingdom was a priority of Jesus in all of his teachings. In fact, he said things like this. Seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God. Then we pray the Lord's prayer. Let's see. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's the next phrase? Thy Thy kingdom come, right? You know, the kingdom of God and the advancement of this kingdom it was priority in most of the teachings of Jesus. Now, we have to admit that for us Americans, this whole understanding of kingdom is quite foreign to us. I mean, we, we don't live in a kingdom. We've never had a king or a queen to reign over us in this particular nation. In the United States, we live in a constitutional democracy. You know, we've never had a royal family. So, you know, for us, we have to wrestle with what this idea of king and kingdom and, and all of that, what is? it all about? What is the kingdom of God? Well, the Bible is very clear about that. Check this out. From Ephesians chapter 1 verses 9 and 10, look what it says right here. It says, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plans. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Now, I've underlined it for you, but I want you to circle the phrase, under the authority of Christ. Would you do that? Under the authority of Christ. You see, folks, this is God's plan, that one day he will bring all things Under the authority of Christ. That is, the kingdom of God is composed of everyone who does the will of God. Do you hear me? The kingdom of God is composed of everyone who does the will of God. The moment you step across the line, the moment you become a believer, the moment you ask Christ into your heart and life as your Savior and your Lord, And say, you know, Lord, I want to follow your plan for my life. That's the moment you become a part of the kingdom of God. But I think the question is, if we're all a part of it, well, where is it? You know, where is the kingdom of God? You know, here's the answer. The kingdom of God is wherever Jesus Christ is king. So if it's in your heart and in your life, the kingdom of God is present right there within you. Wherever Christ is king, the kingdom of God is located there. Okay, so. That's what God's doing. God is building a kingdom. Let's say it together. God is building a kingdom. Now, here's the second question, and that is this. How is God building this kingdom? How is he doing it? And he's doing it through his people, right there. God is doing it through his people. God has chosen his people to build his kingdom. Now, let me tell you, be flat out honest with you. God didn't have to use you. He didn't have to use me. He doesn't have to use any of us. He could have chosen to do it in many different ways. But God has given you and me the privilege of joining with him wherever God is at work. We, have, we are privileged to be a part of what God is doing in the world. You become, when you accept this mission, you become God's agent right here on earth. The agent of God for his kingdom. In fact, check these verses out right here. It says right here, 1 Corinthians 3.9, we are God's what? co-workers right we're the co-workers of the lord look at the next one from second corinthians 5 18 and 20 through christ god made peace between us and himself and god gave us the work look at that he gave us the work of telling everyone about the peace we can have with him so we have been sent to do what to speak for Christ, right? We've been sent. You and I have been sent. The moment we step across this line, the moment we say yes to Jesus, the moment we give Christ our life, make him Lord and Savior of our life, we are now God's agent on work, uh, on this earth, so we can tell others about the peace that we have with him because we have been sent to speak for Christ. I love that. The moment we become a believer, we become an ambassador. We become a missionary. Now, some of you may be thinking, are you kidding me? Me, a missionary? I'm no, missionary. I've never even been overseas. Well, let me tell you, if you don't get anything else I say today, if you don't get anything else, get this. You don't become a missionary by going overseas. You become a missionary by seeing the cross. That's the gospel. You don't become a missionary by going overseas. You become a missionary by seeing the cross. You see, when you understand what Christ has done for you and the incredible benefits that he brings to your life, it makes you want to share it with others. You want to share what God is doing, that incredible peace that he gives to us. So the question now is, what in the world is God doing? Well, God's building a kingdom. How in the world is God doing it? He's using his people to do it. So here's question three. How in the world can I be a part of what God's doing in the world? How can I be a part? How can I be a part of this kingdom work? Here's the first word, first way you have to make it. There it is, my primary purpose. Make it my primary purpose. Make it a primary purpose for my life. Make it a driving passion for my life. In fact, check this out from the, from the gospel of Luke chapter 12. It says, God will always give you everything you need or all that you need from day to day if you make the kingdom of God, what? Your primary concern. Yeah. If you make the kingdom of God your primary concern, what will happen? God will give you everything you need from day to day. Boy, what a promise that is, huh? That's an incredible promise from God. God says, I'll take care of every other need you got in your life uh, if your priorities are my priorities. In fact, check this next one out. Romans 14, 17 says this. God's kingdom is what God does with your life as he sets it right, puts it together, and completes it with joy. That's what God's kingdom is all about, how you can be a part of it. It's what he does with your life. When he puts your life right, I mean, I'm one who wants to have my life right. Uh, When God puts my life right, I'm a part of the kingdom of God. When he puts my life together and when he completes it with joy. I'm sure I'm not the only one who wants to live like that. We want to have our life right. We want to get our life together. You know, we want our life to be complete. We want that feeling, that satisfaction of knowing that our life is complete. Well, when you are with God in God's kingdom, working for God's great purpose, let me tell you, that's where you get the peace that passes understanding down in my heart, as the song said. That's what it really means when God becomes number one. How do you, else do you get it? How, do you, or, or, how are you a part of it? Number one, remember you have to uh, make it your primary purpose. And number two, pray for it. Got to pray for it. Pray for it. Pray for growth and expansion of God's kingdom. Uh, Every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're doing it. When you pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right out of the Lord's Prayer, right there. You need to pray that your church will be a place that makes a difference in the world. The, a place that tr- helps transform uh, transform lives. A place that seeks to deal with injustices right here in our own nation and places around the world. To the least, the last, the lonely, the lost. Pray that our church will, will, will be the hands and feet of Jesus in the community. Pray for it. Join your heart in prayer for us to be this kingdom builder That's what he's calling us to do, is be his kingdom builders. And then, finally, what do we do here? We need to share it with others. Share the kingdom with others. Make it your primary purpose, you pray for it, and you share it with others. That's what God's calling us to do and to be about. In fact, Acts 1-8 says this, Tell people about me everywhere. Everywhere, first in Jerusalem, that was the hometown, you know first in your hometown, you know then in Judea that is the the in your region that 's northern Virginia, in Samaria is kind of the places you really don 't feel comfortable being in, and then to the rest of the world. Right here at home and then in your region and then in some places where you're really out of your comfort zone, that's Samaria and then to the ends of the world. You know, it's your faithful and generous support of the mission and ministry of this church that allows us to be in life-changing, transformational ministry. It's what you do that changes the people's lives all around the world right from this very space right here. Let's get back to Kenya for a moment. Now that 55 of us from Christ Church has recently returned from that mission in our school in Kenya, I want you to know how we have been building that kingdom and how we've been offering it to others since our first trip there in 2007. Now, it was in 2000 now in 2008 we received word that that little shack you saw the shack in the video where the kids were meeting and seated on the the ground writing their lesson in the dust on the dust in the ground no paper no pencils no desks no chalk no nothing and yet they were come together to learn so in 2008 we learned that the owner of that shack would no longer let that little school, our little adopted school, meet on his premises. So, the parents of one of the kids made a tremendous sacrifice. And unless, and I know this doesn't make sense to most of us here, because I don't think anyone in this room is a subsistence farmer, meaning that unless you grow it, you don't eat it, unless you sell it, you don't have it. But in that area, that's what these people are. They are subsistence farmers. And one of the parents, now listen to this, gave an acre of their little farm so that we here at Christ Church could continue that school there in that village. And so because they couldn't sell us the land, and we could only lease the land. We couldn't build permanent structures there, so we built buildings of mud and stick and and tin roof and a a big uh, water catchment thing so there could be some water on the property. And for years, that sufficed as, as uh, the school for the first time. Look, for the first time they actually had desks. For the first time they actually had a chalkboard and some chalk and some paper. For the very first time that school actually began to function as a school even though they were in a mud and stick structure. And so in 2009, in 2010, in 2012, we here at Christ Church sent teams of our medical professionals, doctors and nurses and, and uh, uh, dentists and, uh, and other medical professionals and other of us who are not medical professionals to support and encourage and help bring the mission about, set up a medical camp in that little village. And let me tell you, you won't believe it. It's hard to believe. But I haven't said this in a long time. And that is, Our first day in the medical camp, now listen, we saw, are you ready, 1,000 people in one day. Our doctors, dentists, nurses treated 1,000 people per day for three days. That's what this church did. That's what was accomplished there. So ten a thousand people a day for medical issues, due to the lack of dental hygiene, our dentists pulled 400 teeth that were unable to be saved. Can you imagine having, living with a hole in your tooth producing that kind of pain for so long without the ability to be able to deal with it? But that's what the people of Christchurch have done to help relieve that pain. It's unreal. Not only did we see these, uh, our, our medical professionals see folks, but they actually saved their lives. Getting them to uh, uh, the nearest hospital, 45 miles away, in order for them to have an operation that, that saved their lives. And several people did that. You know, it was just an incredible experience. And after our being there, our school not only doubled, not only tripled, but quadrupled in size in those three years, or three or four years. Not only were our kids learning their ABCs and 1, 2, threes, but I told you before, we were teaching them Jesus. They had regular chapel, they had regular Christian education, and they still do. But sometime in 2013, We received word that the ministry of education there in Kenya would no longer recognize and certify our school unless we met some minimum requirements. The minimum requirement in Kenya is that a school has to have at least three acres of land. We didn't have it. The minimum requirement is that they actually had to have a building that was made of block and not mud and sticks. And so the ministry was about... To tear about to close our school down and besides after so many years the place that we built was actually unsafe it was starting to fall apart I did a video there so you can see what our kids were learning in it was great at the time but it has started to fall apart go ahead yeah hey, I want you to imagine that in this space this was the fourth grade class of Hope Education Center before we at Christ Church bought the land and built them a new building. You see this uh, classroom as small as it is had 36 students. Can you imagine 36 students in this size space? And besides that, the uh, the the classrooms are made out of uh, reclaimed uh, trees and earth. That is mud. It's a dirt floor dirt walls and after so many years uh, you can see around that the walls have just crumbled and uh, there are holes in the wall behind me there are uh, the, the, the wall is almost gone on this side and you can see that the wall is crumbling uh, on the other side I just want you to understand that that what you're doing here is changing lives you're changing lives by making a difference in the lives of these kids. You know, the thing that breaks the cycle of poverty is education. And we're, we're making world changers here. We're, we're changing the lives of kids who will then be changing the world. So I wanna say thank you, Christ Church, for making a difference, for being difference makers right there in Fairfax Station that extends across the Atlantic Ocean 8,000 miles from where we live are nearly 300 students who depend upon your gracious sacrifice so that they may in turn be world changers that makes a difference in the world in which we live. I think it's part of the way we live out the Gospel. That's what we do. It's who we are we're followers of Jesus Christ and we are the people of Christ Church so once we got word from the Ministry of Education I remember the Sunday that uh, that I stood before you we were in the old building of course and stood before you and told you that that the Ministry of Education was about to close our school And there was nothing we could do about it unless we could get some land. That afternoon, we had enough money that was given that very day for us to be able to purchase three acres of land to get the minimum requirement. And over the years that followed, the people of this church, this church, this church, this church, has been building a proper structure. And and when I said we had nearly 300 students that were in that building, already we have 403 students. Over 100 more kids just in the last year. You see, this is a... This is a church that's changing lives. And once we got the building up and they started meeting and they became official again, I'm just going to leave you with this and one last video and say this. Every year there is a national Kenya education test that every primary school, that is schools up through the 8th grade, have to take. Every year they have to take it. It's like kind of like Virginia SOLs, but this is the KCPE exam. Our school that had just been opened in this new space the first year received the number one highest score in the entire county out of four more than 400 elementary schools, and there's the certificate to prove it. You talk about changing lives. You change lives by doing something practical, by breaking the cycle of education. I, I, I remember just as clearly as I'm standing right here on one of the last days of our camp this year, one of the parents came up to me and was thanking me on to thank you for what you're doing there. Because he said, he said, do you see all these kids here? He said, their future would be at home tending cows for the rest of their life if it weren't for you. And folks, that's what you've done. You are changing the world. I'm going to leave you with this last video. You know, I just thought of one more story, <laughs> and I promise I won't keep you. I promise, promise, promise. There was a there was a scene in that uh, last video where the kids were coming through it. The la- on the last day, we decided to do something for the kids, and and the and the and the teacher said, you know, what we really ought to do is give every one of the kids three pieces of bread, and. Uh, 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 a, a, so, uh, a coca cola or some kind of a soda pop and uh, and I was thinking, my gosh that 's not very much and but you know that 's what they wanted to do, so that 's what we did and we, so we every one of those four hundred kids came through the line and got three pieces of bread and um, a soda pop, and uh, went off to eat it and one of the leaders of the village said to me, because I said to him, I said, you know, this just doesn't seem like a whole lot to do for them. And he he looked at me, like kind of cocked his head and looked at me, and he said, do you realize that these kids have probably never been given three pieces of bread that they could eat all themselves? And... For most of them, they will have never had a Coca-Cola. Ever. Before in their entire life. He said the closest thing this is would be Christmas. When the kids may get three or four pieces of bread, but they're expected for that to last them Christmas week. But that's what you've done. You, you gave them, not only are you giving them bread for their bodies, but you're feeding them spiritually. That's what you're doing. That's what you are doing. That's what this church is about. Why? Because we love God. Why? Because we love others. Why? Because we are living out the gospel life. And that is where I'll leave you today. Let... <laughs> thank, thank you to you. <laughs> oh) Let's pray together. Thank you so much, God, for all the good gifts you give. You are an incredible God who never ends and never fails. Your love for us continues to pour out, and you call us even outside of our comfort zone to do some incredible things for you in ways that sort of seem reckless at times. God, you just call us to trust you, and that's all we're doing We're simply going where you're calling us to do what you ask us to do and to to join you in this whole business of kingdom work. For you're building a kingdom, you're using your people, and you're calling us to be about it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. You have changed my life. And I give you thanks, dear God. In Jesus' name, amen.